I think the, the culture that we live in, you know, COVID and social media in general, it warps people's perception to think that knowledge or mastery comes from hearing something or reading something and it doesn't. It comes from experiencing something. And so that's the big thing that differentiates people is like you have to have a real world skill set. You know, the Internet is just going to be an amplifier of that. But it starts with you, your knowledge base and your skill set and what you're actually able to do for another person at the end of the day. Welcome to the Young and Driven Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. Yo, welcome back. Thank you for joining the YMD podcast. I got Logan Fitz with me today. Man, I am so pumped about this because you are someone that has this crazy energy about you and you've put out content for a long period of time. You know more about content and social media than most other people and you have a business where you help people learn how to do this, do it better, and you build their personal brands. And I love it. That's the majority of my audience. So the majority of my audience is listening to this and they're saying, Grant, uh, I really want to grow my social media brand. I have no idea where to start. I have no idea how to do this. Um, I don't even know what a personal brand is and how to cultivate that. I don't know what my message is. Half of my listeners are going to be young kids that are just like hungry. And then the other half are going to be like business owners and artists and creatives that are like, can, can learn how to either make money doing stuff, but don't know how to be creative or know how to be creative and don't know how to make money. So you've done something where like you've blended all three where you're creative through and through, um, you're, I saw you dabbling in music, so we'll get into that a little bit too, cause I, 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 I want to hear all about it, but, um, thank you for joining. Welcome to the pod. I just want to, I just want to say thank you for giving me your time. Yeah, man. Appreciate thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Um, I think this will be a great conversation. Just the interactions we've had so far. Um, uh, I think you just, yeah. you just have a unique kind of grasp on all these things. So I'm excited. Be a good combo. W W. So, okay. Uh, let's give me like a, give me the rundown on your story. Just a little bit about your story. I don't know too much about it, to be honest. Like, I don't know. A ton about your background, a ton about like your upbringing into in, into what got you into content in the first place. So tell me, like, you're 24 now, you're crushing it. So like, tell me about the years before this that that got you to where you're at. Yeah. So to try to make it concise, and I've had some practice, right, with this. But I basically <laughs> I grew up in Ohio, um, and really I think the the big two things that kind of stand out to me, and now it's becoming more of a thing with the music. But like, I grew up just all I really wanted to do was like play sports and just do my thing and like kind of have fun, but really sports. I loved music growing up and kind of got away from it. Like I think most people, especially young people now, like Gen Z, like things that you love kind of get pulled out of you because it's just like, you want to be cool in junior high or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing music stuff and kind of quit and I quit pursuing like kind of my artistic hobbies. I would edit videos. I would do things like that. And I kind of stopped and because you know, playing sports and being a relatively good athlete just kind of gave me the, the social, I guess, status that 13 year old me wanted or something like that. <laughs> nice. And so then I, I really was like, I just went all in on sports and I was kind of a nerd. And I think I early on, you know, wait, I had wait, you were a nerd, a nerd sports. I well, haven't heard I, that combo in a while. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I'm like, I'm very like book smart person. Like I was okay. the kid that would go into class and just like, half pay attention and hear it once and memorize it and like get really good grades like 
I got a 34 in my AZT hungover. So I kind of am a nerd, right? I love it. That's and awesome. I kind of applied that cerebralness to athletics because I was a good athlete, but I wasn't anything crazy, you know, and I yeah. wanted to be like, I love Tim Tebow growing up. I love oh, yeah. on growing up. I'm from Ohio. Right. And, but I wanted to be like that. And so I kind of applied that nerdiness and cerebralness to athletics and really just, I mean, I was doing stuff that I feel like a lot of other kids weren't back then be out shooting hoops until I couldn't see the ball. You know, yeah. I would be on my iPod touch Googling, like, how do I get stronger? How do I get faster? So I did that. And that just kind of progressed throughout junior high, high school. I think the other important thing to, to note in terms of my story is like, I was diagnosed with Graves disease as a ninth grader, which is an autoimmune illness, it's hyperthyroidism. Okay. And it was just like this crazy impact on me then. Um, you know, I would leave basketball practice feeling like I was going to have a heart attack or I just got mm. flashbanged, like heart yes. beating out of my chest, really dizzy, just felt crazy. I lost probably like 10, 15 pounds Yikes. really fast. And so all of that just really kind of kept pushing me down this health path. And I got it under control with, you know, going to my endocrinologist, getting on medicine to kind of stop it acutely. Um, but so it just kind of made me, I already wanted to get better as an athlete. And I was the kid that I never missed a lift. I never missed a workout. I was doing extra stuff on top of it and just worked really hard to, you know, get offers basically and be the best yeah. high school football player I could be. And I ended up going to school and played D1 FCS football at Valparaiso for my freshman season while studying mechanical engineering with nice. like some biomed stuff alongside Biomed, it. dude, biomed's the hardest, the hardest major. Yeah. You, I, do, I, you I minored wanted, it? I wanted to do, uh, I wanted, I was like a mechanical engineering student, but I was studying biomed stuff too, because I wanted to learn about like the kinesthetic, like robot kind of stuff, you know, yeah. like they're putting yep. fake legs in people that work and stuff like that. So that's what I was studying while, which you're not supposed to do that while flying to games playing college football like it was a lot so I hated my what life what position what position do you play in college well, I was a quarterback and a linebacker in high school and then in college I was like an outside linebacker kind nice. of hybrid thing yeah um, and so I just that was a lot and I just I was I had no fun basically my first yeah. semester of college because it was just like school and football and that was it yeah and and so I ended up transferring I went to a smaller school in Ohio where a couple of my good friends were and thought maybe it would take a little bit of the pressure off from just not having so much to do football wise, not having as much to do school wise. And there it just kind of hit me like, man, this isn't really for me. Like school just, I don't know. It just, I didn't, I hated the fact that I didn't feel in control of my situation and what's the best case scenario. I stay for another four years and concurrently, I had all of these problems with like my knee or my hips. And then I still had the Graves disease stuff kind of running in the background. So I just like overall felt really discontent and felt like I was pursuing a, a life that I didn't really want at the end of the day. And at that point, I kind of found the internet stuff. And, you know, I saw people, I saw like, I remember distinctly being in my dorm room and I saw one of the back then, this is 2018, one of the like early drop shipping kid dads, he's like, I make 40 grand a month traveling. And I was like, what? Like this, there's no, like I said, I was always a really smart kid. Yeah. I was like, dude, this guy's a dipshit. There's no way <laughs> he's making 40 grand a month that I can't like at least make 20. 
Yeah. And so from that point on, I was also just like kind of went through a pothead phase at that point. I was hurt. So I wasn't really playing in terms of like football. My knee was all jacked up. I couldn't, I was just like a shell of myself and I had the health stuff. And overall it just led me to be like, dude, screw this. Like I'm going to figure it out. I saw the internet e-com stuff. I was like, I can make that work. And I knew that I knew enough about health. I saw back then like the early Instagram fitness guys, like theme page yeah. fitness guys. Yep. It's like, this is trash content. And so I just basically decided one night to pull the plug and drop out, Call, stay up all night. I'm watching, you know, Gary V videos. Yeah. Should go be Beyonce, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, I'll be Beyonce. And I also love the music stuff. I wanted, I started producing whatever, rapping in college and wanted to do that too. So pretty much just on a whim dropped out with those three goals. How did, uh, how did family feel about that? Oh, they were not happy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually, my dad was like, my family was always super big on education, whatever. Yeah. Which is great. But I, I stayed up all night the night I decided and like I, I was high and stayed up all night watching all these videos, hyping myself up, just decided, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Call my parents the next morning at like 7.30. I'm like, I'm leaving school. And this is a week before finals. My, my dad like, my dad was very strict on me growing up, which I needed. I would have completely derailed, probably been dead if he wasn't. But he, uh, he kind of was like, all right, dude, well, you're on your own. Like, you're not living here. Like, you're on, you got to figure it out then. And I was yeah. like, all right, bet. Fuck it. And literally like booked a flight to Florida that like for the next day. And I think <laughs> this is again, how much, ca- how much cash did you have? Uh, at that point, probably like $1,700. <laughs> so and, a flight was like a quarter of your cash. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I, that, that's how I felt. I was like, you know what? Like, dude, if I have to sleep on the beach in Florida, which I want to go to Florida because I hated Ohio winter. Yeah. I was like, if I have to sleep on the beach, I'll do it. Like, I would rather sleep on the beach and try to do shit I actually like than sleep in a bed, and which is still stupid. But so this is two weeks before Christmas, right? Like finals week. And he basically saw that I was serious about it. He's like, yo, relax, like come home, let's talk about it. You can stay for Christmas, whatever. Yeah. He was just trying to like, I think, scare me into not doing like throwing my life away. I mean, most yeah. of my college stuff was paid for with grades, ball, whatever. And so, yeah, I did that and just worked at the ski resort in my hometown for three more weeks just to save up some more money. And then just like packed up my car and moved to Florida. And I moved to Clearwater and because I had found knees over toes guy and I had these big knee problems. And so I literally just moved. I picked Florida because it was sunny, Clearwater because his gym was there and I wanted to work out in his gym and learn from him. And uh, I ended up like working for free and like interning. And then they hired me like a month later did some odd jobs in the meantime, um, ended up starting to get like some of the, you know, like email copywriting clients or I ran ads for a couple people and did that for about eight, nine months, learned a what, ton. What made you, what made you want to get into that? What, like why you went from fitness to be like, I want to be a health guy. I want to be a fitness guy. You're working at a gym to being like, I'm going to do some email marketing. Yeah. Well, I, I they happen concurrently. And like, I knew that I wanted to pursue the opportunity of e-commerce, but like I knew I knew health well enough for, like I knew I could make that work, but I didn't know that I could make internet marketing work. Like that was like the gamble and personal training and working in the gym was like the safe choice. Um, And so, yeah, they happened concurrently and I viewed it too as like, they're, they're not antagonistic, you know, it's like internet marketing makes 
fitness knowledge more impactful because you can share yeah. it and, and market yeah. it, things like that. And so, yeah, I worked there for nine months and then I, I left. It just, I didn't see the, the, you know, I guess room for me to grow within that role. They were, they already had, you know, a pretty decent sized company. There's a lot of guys involved, whatever. And so I actually basically cold DM Jared Getz, if you know who that is. Yeah. Um, and he was like, he was looking for a right hand or something. I sent him a DM. He's like, cool, this is dope. Like write me an email. And I wrote him this crazy email telling him I'd sweep his floors if he needed to. I just saw him like <laughs> basically begging. Not 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 begging, but I would say I sold myself really well, right? Yeah. And uh, and then he invited me down to Boca Raton where he's living at the time, and I drove four hours, met him like a week later. He offered me a job, and I worked for him for a year, and was doing all ecom stuff during that, and like internet marketing related stuff. He had a few stores and he had his coaching program, whatever. Yeah. And so I worked for him for a year. And just during that time, like that was when I first started to get it. Cause I just saw how high level entrepreneurs like really operated, at least in the yeah. internet stuff. Yeah. And it was a lot of stress at first. I mean, I was 20 when I started with him and it was just like fast paced. I'd never at that time, his software company was just like a fresh startup. So I'm involved in all this stuff and it was just a lot. And so I kind of dropped the fitness stuff for a while. And honestly, like probably was in the worst shape I've ever been in my life because it was the first time I wasn't getting paid for my body. And yeah. I was like, okay, I got my work habits under control and learned how to actually work as an adult and then got back in really good shape because that's who I was. And then the pandemic hits and I have nothing to do because I'm just like working online. You know, my work was super secure, fortunately, during that time. Um, but I had nothing to do because like I was 20 and I didn't really know anybody down there. And all the kids that were in the colleges nearby went home. And so I was just, I would work for five, six hours a day. I would work out and then I was like, all right, what do I do from here? Yeah. And the thing to do was just like, I saw the content that was in the health space and I was just like, damn, this is trash. So I just started putting stuff out on Twitter and uh, it just kind of took off. And then my year contract with him ended I launched my own uh, fitness course back then, yeah. And phew, the rest kind of history. I then got some success with that launch. I probably had nine or ten thousand followers. Ran my first offer, made some money. It was like, all right, I can do this. Went all in on it. I uh, one of my friends I'd met from the internet, who lived in South Florida. We partnered up. We grew that company for a year. We then went our own ways. And then I rebranded as my own thing. And then that during that, you know, year and a half, whatever, I just really learned a lot about content and high performance marketing and realized I was really good at it and just kind of grew to love it. And then from there, Nick and I became friends in Miami and he kind of wanted to expand what he was doing with his Instagram agency. Yeah. I had built this crazy skill set from growing my fitness company and marketing it. And so we partnered up and started Launch Socials, and that was a little over a year now ago. Nice. And what have you grown Launch Socials to? Give me the uh, give me the ARR. Yeah, we're we're at a a mil ARR right now in our first That's year. That's awesome. That's awesome, dude. Appreciate That's incredible. It. And and uh, is the uh, is your coaching model coming? Like, is that is that entirely from the coaching model, or is it also including retainer clients? Um, we've had retainer clients. I mean, it's never been a big focus of ours because like Nick did that yeah. for three years yeah. and 
we wanted to build it into something that was a more scalable model just in general and be yeah. able to just grow our company and grow what we're doing, kind of expand. So we do have retainer clients, but primarily the the consulting sort of model. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, and I, I think something that you guys do really well is like, I mean, the way you guys got me invested, because I knew nothing about you, but I saw you. I know I, I, I had known some people that worked with you before, but you put out this, um, it was this amazing lead magnet, man. It was an, an incredible lead magnet. Like I think it was sometime in March or mm-hmm. like April. Mm-hmm. And it was like just this like brand document template, which like it essentially just walks. It's like a 15 page document that walks you through like, these are the questions you ask yourself. These are how you cultivate your brand. Um, what I want to direct this towards the audience uh, because I, I want to ask you some questions in the midst of that because there's some interesting points. Yeah. But to shift gears towards like giving value to them, like what what's the biggest thing that separates someone from? I, I find that some creatives have a tough time creating for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's always easier for for us to give advice. I mean, for me included, like it's easier for me to give advice to other people than it is to like look at myself and my own brand. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're creating these documents, when you're creating these this course, and you're you're helping people that are asking you, how do I start? Um, what's the differentiating factor from someone who's going to be successful and someone who's just gonna who's not going to utilize the tools the right way? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cliche, but I think the di- differentiating factor in someone who's going to be successful is number one just like the hunger and kind of the appetite for risk because, you know, social media is not, it's the lowest risk, highest reward opportunity of all time. You know, it's like the gold rush, except you don't have to give up your life and buy all this mining equipment. It's just like, it's just time. So I think that a lot of people, like everybody inherently in their soul, I think wants to do something and they want to really have that like fulfilling, passionate work. And I just think, number one, you need to be able to understand that it's not going to happen tomorrow, you know, and just mm-hmm. be, be fine with that. Because I think as soon as people don't get that immediate traction, it's like the, the risk stacks up in their mind, even though there is no risk, right? And so that's yeah. the first thing is just like the kind of hunger to do it in the dark for a while yep. before you get any fruit from it and just kind of think long term. And then secondly, the other big thing that I think, because you can learn the skill set of internet marketing, like, you know, when we put out that document, we've had people implement just that free thing and like yeah. get a lot of results and grow pretty fast and make some money just from the free thing. And so I think the big thing that differentiates people is focusing on having something to provide. You know, I think mm-hmm. the, the culture that we live in and, you know, COVID and social media in general it, it warps people's perception to think that knowledge or mastery comes from hearing something or, or reading something and it doesn't. It comes from experiencing something. And so that's the big thing that differentiates people is like you have to have a real world skill set, you know, and the Internet is just going to be an amplifier of that. But it starts with you and your knowledge base and your skill set and what you're actually able to do for another person at the end of the day. And so I think those two things would be the, the biggest differentiators because all the internet marketing stuff you can learn along the way or, you know, figure it out. You, uh, you guys, you guys go after contrarian stuff a lot and there's a lot of, a lot of what you guys do, which is almost like, it's almost like a hacking emotions 
because mm-hmm. like because you're you're drawing attention essentially like there's the extremes that you play with for someone that like i'm thinking like business owners generally mm-hmm. right like there's the influencer pursuit there's the there's the motivational pursuit right which like there's two different things one's an aesthetic one's kind of like more podcast hockey jordan peterson ask and then uh majority of people that are on social media or the majority of people that are trying to make money through social media are business owners that are just trying to promote their brand or promote their business even if it's like a hyper niche if it's like real estate or a lawyer aspects of things like how does someone when there's such like when there's so much white noise cuz that's what it is it's white noise and it's desperate attempts to get your attention mm-hmm. um how what what advice do you give people that are like, how do I stick out and make my story unique? Because that's a lot of the conversations I have with my clients, a lot of conversations I have on audits, right? Where it's like, let's work through this. Let's figure out what's unique about you, what your experience is, how I can help you draw that experience out and, and relay that message. But from your perspective, like, what what can people do when the niche is the same mm-hmm. and the information's the same, but they have to make themselves unique? Yeah, so... The first, and, and we're tackling this from the anger of, angle of like, you're the business owner, right? Not no, yeah. not so much the influencer or like no. the personality. Yeah, owner. So you're a business owner and, and you want to grow. So the first thing I would say is the information doesn't have to be the same, you know? It, it, you can separate yourself by, you know, building. Like I, I look at it like this, right? Like I wasn't able to grow my fitness brand, right? There's a lot of people that do fitness. A lot of that information is out there. But I actually kind of went and did a lot of obscure stuff. Like I worked for Ben Patrick before he was this, you know, million had millions of followers and like absorbed that knowledge. Yeah. And, you know, I was 19 buying tickets to a, a track conference in Illinois and drove eight hours to go hear those guys speak. And I'm the youngest person in the room by 15 years and listening to guys like Chris Corfist and Cal Dietz, right? These are really kind of niche um, yeah. strength and conditioning names, but that's the point, right? Is really just going deep in your field. Cause you can't, the information doesn't have to be the same. It's yeah. just, most people aren't willing to put the time into going deep and really digging a deep well and being specific with what they want to master in the world and then bringing that to social media. So that's the first thing is like the information doesn't have to be the same. You can go and be better and become a master, like really pursuing mastery of your craft as opposed to pursuing necessarily just social media growth. If you're a master at your craft, social media growth is easy, you know? And so I think that's the first thing is doing that, right? And that's mm-hmm. like the value component. You're trying to yep. help, help people. Every business is there to help someone achieve an outcome of some kind, right? Yep. And so you, if you can help people achieve that, con- or that outcome in your content, like they're just going to care about you because you're helping them achieve the outcome and then you can just, they'll pay you for whatever implementation makes it easier and faster. So that's the first thing. And then I think secondly, you know, being able to, being able to tell your story in a compelling way, which a lot of people, when they get online, it's like they they start giving advice, you know, Mm -hmm. and nobody really wants to hear advice because they don't care. It's like, it's just, you're, you're inherently turning into their eighth grade English teacher. Yeah. What they want to hear is how you did it in your experience yeah. and how that shaped your perspective in telling that story. And I also think when people tell stories or especially when they go to you know make content, for example, they do that in a way where it, it becomes marketing 
and people inherently, there's so much content on the internet, you know, they inherently don't like marketing. And yeah. so I like to give the, and actually I found this like a couple weeks ago again, and it was just like, man, I've been kind of doing, thinking too much, but it's a Craig Clemens video. And he's talking about, you know, writing the autobiography of the person you're trying to talk to and you're trying to understand them, but then you speak it like you're talking to your cousin or yeah. your best friend. And it's just conversational like that. Because I think that, again, most people go to this like advice giving frame where it's, it's not relatable. But if you just had a conversation like we're conversating now and that kind of sets the tone for your content, I just think it hits those kind of inspiring, emotional, relatable angles that you kind of want to in your content and it separates you because you're you and no one can else can no one else can replicate you no one has the same stories that you have no one else has the same experiences so yeah. i would say those two things mainly I love, I love that yeah i think i mean i i'd have to agree to another extent like what so what do you, what do you think about people like people just a lot of times people start and they just throw up the hermosi style reel right mm -hmm. i think that kind of style is going to go away it's, I mean, the loudness is not going to go away, but that style is going to go away. Mm -hmm. um, just because I think like once you realize that, that every person in the Philippines can edit that and it's becomes less about, it's more about the aesthetic and less about the information. It's just less, less valuable. What, what do you think is the new wave that's going to happen? Like what, what do you think is going to like in terms of creativity, especially for short form and for that medium, less written, written, the copywriting rules and, and the rhetoric rules there are eternal. Mm -hmm. um, but for short form, it seems like that's still so adaptable and you're seeing the separation of short and long. There's not much that's happened in between. You pretty much have people either consuming under 30 seconds or over 40 minutes. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Um, that's a really interesting question. I, I'll start it by saying I think that I totally agree with you on like the Hormozy captions, right? Like that's going to die simply because it's just not going to perform for most people because again, it's not, not Alex <laughs> it's not, it's not the, the message. It's the messenger, right? Yeah. You can't, yep. you can't be Alex Hormozy without also having the nine figure portfolio. You know, it doesn't yeah. really work. Um, yeah. and he also has a, just, he's a super smart, like well-read dude, you know, he just knows yeah. a lot of shit. So yeah. I would say the new style to me is going to be like native content. You know, like if you scroll on TikTok and you, you start a fresh TikTok account up, and you, the, the stuff you're going to see scrolling, it doesn't look, it's not marketing, you know, it's just yeah. like, it's UGC, it's people that aren't trying to have a brand that are just putting up like funny reels and stuff like that, right? And so I think like, especially short form, you, if you want to succeed with that, you can't, like you kind of almost have to blend into that native filter and it can't look like you're trying to market to someone because I just think that, especially like the, the internet's sophisticated at this point, you know, people yeah. have seen the gurus, they've seen Lamborghinis. It's like, they probably bought something like that three years ago and they kind of seen past it. And I think that the raw, real, mm. just like kind of intimate stuff, cause that's what we don't have right now, right? We're more connected than ever but we have the least connection we've ever had. And so, yeah, I think the stuff moving forward will be stuff that kind of blends into that. And it's just, it feels organic. It feels like you're making it just to make it, not so yeah. you can gamify someone's dopamine 
as they're scrolling, right? And there's still stuff like that that will work, right? Yeah. If you're if you're good and how you do it, but that really is kind of involved in the editing process to me and how you're doing that sort of stuff. I think I got to agree. I think like people can smell an ad from a mile away. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, like I, I, I like that thought is like the overproduced element of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't translate. It doesn't translate to views. It translates to essentially like the vanity metrics. Yeah. But it's nothing more than the aesthetic, which is unfortunate, but that's what I think that's what we saw at least in the last like seven months, and I'm seeing a lot of larger accounts. I don't know if you notice, like accounts that quickly blew up right to three, four hundred, five hundred thousand followers, right? And then suddenly you look at their comments, and there's like two comments, yep. And their views like might have a lot of impressions, but all the comments are bots, or all it's just like it's not engaging because people don't feel like it's authentic anymore, and so you yep. lost that authenticity with your base, which is how you grew that base in the first place. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, I just think that's, that's kind of where it's moving. And then, you know, in terms of the short form versus long form stuff, well, even written, you know, I think like written stuff, cause I, I started in Twitter. Right. And so yeah. that's, I've watched that sophisticate a lot. And I also think the same kind of thing applies there. You know, people, there's a lot of people that have grown on Twitter since my time. And I know a lot of those, a lot of the people on Twitter, pretty much everyone for the most part. I mean, obviously not everyone, but. And I just think it's the same kind of thing where it's, you know, the, the gamification of it is going to go away and it's just going to be like, you actually have to have really, really good content that either really helps someone, you really kind of got that raw storytelling, or it's mm-hmm. just entertainment that you can kind yeah. of siphon back to you. You know, you can yeah. weigh in on hot takes, you can make funny stuff that people can relate to. Because also when we talk about, you know, short form versus long form, To me, that's not necessarily how I think about it, right? It's just like, I think about it more in awareness levels, right? You have, like most of the population in the United States is not that bright, objectively, right? Yeah. And so you just have to understand like, what is the total addressable market for what you're trying to say? Yeah. Because if it's a very small addressable market, it's probably not going to do real well on short form. Like even me, right? If I write something that is a super quant biochem stuff, which is what I've done a lot in the past, is like really going deep on some of this stuff, there's not a huge market for it. They need a gateway. But to be fair though, I want to go against that though because I think like that is, in my opinion, higher value, right? Like, so like, yes, you uh, you might hit less followers, right? You might hit less impressions, but the people that do see it are so much more valuable. Like hundred percent. It's one 100%. thing. It's like, it's cool. It's cool if you got 2000 impressions, but if those 2000 people have money that fit your demographic, right. Or like, are really like, this is insightful. And, and you have a ratio of like 10% that are responding to it. In my opinion, I think that's so much more valuable than someone that's just passively entertaining. I totally agree. But it, to me, it's like, it's not one or the other. Right. And that's kind of my mm-hmm. point about short form or long form. Like these things serve different purposes. You know, the, you're not going to yeah. capture mass market attention with complex long form that's really intelligent you know yes. it's, just, it's just not how it's going to be because it, it has a, a lower total addressable market and so i think they all work together and the long form stuff or maybe your more complex stuff you're not it might not do as well as content right yeah yeah but that's okay because that's not its purpose its yeah. purpose is to nurture it's, it's not to capture virality or attention Right. And they kind of feed off of each other. It's like a funnel. Yep. 
What uh, what do you think is the most exciting platform coming up? So like in the next in the next year, what what platform are you most excited to see? I'm most excited. Like me personally, I'm most excited about YouTube, just because. I don't know. I think that I just think that the relationship you build there, like video, is obviously superior, just in terms yeah. of it's hitting so many other sensory details. And yeah. I just think if you have a YouTube audience, like I've grown pretty much everywhere to some extent, and the YouTube audience, man, if they if they care about you, they really care about you. And so that's yep. what I'm most excited about. But it's also really it's been really cool the past two years that they're all kind of the same now. Uh, yeah which is a great opportunity I, for anyone starting. I will say, I think uh, I, something I found that's interesting with one of my clients is that like the podcast demographic is completely different from the YouTube demographic. So like uh, for some of my clients, like we repurpose, basically we put up the same YouTube video, similar mm-hmm. to like what Alex did with the game podcast, right? Like put, put up the same YouTube video and that's put up as a podcast, maybe change the title a little bit, right? Change the day you post it. Um, but like, I found that that's a completely different audience. So like we've, and, and I've heard from like their inbound when they do their sales calls, it's like, I didn't even realize that you had a YouTube channel and I just have been listening. Like you've been the most, like you've been the best podcast I've heard. And it's just like, they don't even realize that there's a differentiating factor. So it's funny how those are the two mediums where it's like, if you have an audience on either one of those, um, you're usually able to convert from that audience so much more because people are more like, uh, you need to get to that 10 hours of them listening to you before they'll probably buy from you. Like yeah. you need to earn those 10 hours of trust. And it's so hard to do that with short form. You're just spamming their face so much that it's like, hopefully like no one's going to, very few people are going to buy from a short form piece. Even if it's a great ad, they're probably not going to buy from a short form piece because they're not going to trust you. Yeah. You just need a lot of touch points now. And it's, yeah, it's interesting because the game is changing a lot and a lot of my friends that I talk to and that are internet marketers and do this stuff really well like we're all kind of understanding the same realizations that you know it's not 2014 anymore and it's not just like add to sales page to client it, yeah it's just sophisticated and you need yeah. you need all of these assets kind of working in conjunction because people's trust is a lot lower they've just seen yeah. it they've heard it the claims have been made. It's nothing new. You're not presenting rocket science to them, but it's really a game of who can endure and build that trust over a you know 120 day time period, for example. Yeah. What's your What's your take on Lamborghini guys? So people that are flexing their lifestyle, flexing that they're in Dubai, flexing that they're uh, just like flexing their girl, flexing their fact that they can get as many girls as they want, like, and then that's they use that lifestyle to promote their product what's your take on those guys positive or negative um i mean i'm sure some of them are your friends you don't got to go too hard on it but (laughs) yeah i mean in general like my take on it is like i don't really care either way yeah like you know there's a lot of guys that are like oh you shouldn't be doing that i mean i also think like let some of these guys live you know i definitely think some of them do it very in a very very cringe way that i would never touch just because just not very tasteful. It's not very classy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in general, like my take on it is if you want to great, it's not something I want to do. I also think it breeds a really low quality audience. Like, you know, I probably could have made a lot more money right now by doing some of that stuff. But I also think the people that are there, like I have a network, you can't quantify 
the value of the network that I have by not doing that stuff and just yes. having people buy in on who I am and yeah. my values and my skill set, et cetera. And yeah. so that's kind of my take on it is it's not really for me. I mean, I also think like girls stuff. I mean, I mean, I did like a smidgen of it maybe when I was you like it? one, twenty-two. <laughs> not nothing crazy, right? But just there'd be little funny stuff. I'd post yeah. a video girl dancing with me on a boat or some stupid shit like that <laughs> party. But yeah, I mean, overall, like I just don't want to, I think it's a bad option and I personally yeah. don't want to do it because I don't think it breeds a high quality audience. But then again, like in three years, as we keep growing our stuff, if I make the decision that it's smarter for me to, you know, dump a bunch of change into a car that I really like, then, you yeah. know, dividend you use or it. crypto yeah. or whatever, <laughs> yeah. then like, you know, I'm going to get the car too. So yeah, I'm yeah. kind of indifferent to it overall and just think that it, either way, it shouldn't be the focus. It should be an accent if you decide to do it. Yeah. Because you want people that for you. Give me, give me who are people that, so like you've talked to a lot of people, you've connected with a lot of people. There's people, you know, there's people you don't know who are people that you currently look up to is like, man, I really like what they're doing. I really like what they're building right now. That's a great question. Um, that's a really great question. You know, it's been funny as we've been building our business. I think I look at the, the people that, you know, really have something that creates a change in the world, like fundamentally, like their product mm -hmm. is so good that it, it's this immovable innovation that actually changes a lot of lives. Like, so mm -hmm. I've been watching, uh, this is a, a Nathan Barry is actually somebody I've been watching a lot of his stuff. He's not real loud or not real flashy, but he's the uh, CEO of ConvertKit, which is an email sending platform. Okay. And like, dude, he just built an amazing tech product that I've used for two years and I didn't even really know who he was. Um, and so it's like people like that that are like really quiet. You know, I, I live in South Florida. Um, I won't say exactly where, but I moved up north a little bit from Miami. Right. And yeah. Miami's like all the loud, flashy. It's the DJs, man. It's the DJ yeah. city. Which is, which is cool. <laughs> like, I like that. There's a, there's a part of me that loves that. Yeah. And I'm a little bit of a rock star. Right. But I, <laughs> I really find myself looking up to now, like the people that just have like real actual wealth, because most of the people mm -hmm. you see on the internet don't have actual wealth, you know, yeah. all the people, which I totally think that, you know, using the advantage of your name and who you are and, you know, like social media traffic, you should absolutely do it. But I really find myself looking up to the guys that, you know, live in Palm Beach Island and they have a $60 million villa and they don't even care about it because yep. the company is something in the world that you can't take away because it's so impactful and it's such a real tangible asset. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would say mm -hmm. like people like that. What a, so if that's, if that's, your thought of like what's impressive mm -hmm. how how are you guys planning on moving launch social so that you can achieve that it's so like what like what does growth look like for you this next year yeah that's doing a, one, million, just, one million ar you know that we have i don't want to it's we're nowhere close to it um and so i don't want to like but really like from us to for us to scale our company now it's not we don't have to do anything because our product works right like what we yeah. teach works we do it for ourselves we've done it for ourselves it's worked for hundreds of people and so for us to keep growing we you know we're, we keep refining every day like 
where we, this past week I've had a bunch of late nights just staying up, like reworking stuff, just making it easier, making it simpler, making it faster, and just trying to overall put in time that is friction for me, but every mm-hmm. ounce of work that's friction for me is removing friction for the people we work with, just making mm-hmm. it faster, easier, and then overall just like doing more of the same stuff. Um, you know, I think long term, what I'm kind of describing is building out like product and moving from service to product and just building something that is so thoroughly fleshed out that it can kind of function on its own. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like systems thinking. And then we're just going to keep trying to do that, you know, playing around with my big vision for it is we can play around with all of the data and automations and now AI and these things to basically perform the work that we do mm-hmm. from a series of code. Yep. And so that's kind of my big vision for the company. Kind of we, like a SaaS model? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and so that's kind of the big vision that we're working towards. We're not close to it yet. We still have a lot of work to Love do it. before then, but that's how we get to that level of product there. But I also think, you know, there's nothing wrong with building like a big cash flow business. And that's kind of more so what I view launch socials as at least right now, if we can execute on that, then it changes. Right. But yep. there's nothing wrong with building a cash flow business and then, you know, putting those things into, and you can buy assets or we can use the, the internet marketing acumen to fund other projects that have that kind of back end, you know, wealth retention. I would, yeah, I would love for you guys to do some kind of rev share model where you almost become a private equity firm and you get minority shares of brands or whatever. And you guys just, you guys take it you guys run with your systems on that, but you get to own the rev share of something that all like something else that like builds in value. That'd be really dope to see you guys do. Yeah. It's definitely something that, I mean, like we've Nick's done it, especially more than me where it's like clients and you own a part of that, their operation and you grow them, whatever. Um, you know, I, I also have a, uh, my fitness company is kind of just like on pause, just quiet. I'm just working with the guys I've had yeah. real quietly. Not, not much is happening there because there's just there's so much time going into what we're doing. But I do have a, a supplement in the works that nice. I've been working on for some time and really nice. just like kind of dropping the ball on it, taking forever to get back to people and do things. But like working on that and then, yeah, transitioning what we have. And this will probably, you know, if we can execute on the big vision, cool. But if not, you know, we can find the people who are building these real, tangible, physical assets yeah. and use our skill set to grow them. Exactly like you're saying, yeah, building brands, yeah. building, you know, one thing I want to do is like, I want to make all this money and buy a farm. Like I want to- A rant. farm where? A farm where? Um, I mean, I really love Argentina. Okay, I okay. I, I was going to say, if you buy a farm in Ohio, I'm going to shoot you. You can't, you can't be doing that. Why not? Argentina would be awesome. <laughs> you just moved away. You said you, the whole story was that you had to get out of Ohio and go to Florida somewhere it's sunny because you hit the winter. Yeah, I probably, I probably wouldn't buy a farm in Ohio. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like somewhere like that or, you know, cool. out west, whatever. But like yeah. to me, because I look at these things and, you know, most, I view our economy, it's really interesting. Like most things are kind of scams to some extent. And, or maybe not scams. Wait, no, say it again. Say it and say it. This, this is the clip. So say it again. <laughs> like most people in most things in our economy are yeah. a scam, you know, 
like how many products actually really help people and are really good. Yeah. You know, look at everything in the grocery store. It's all there to just like make you sick, essentially. Mm. Other than, you know, produce and meat, what in the yeah. grocery store is not there to make you sick? Like pretty yeah. much every aisle in the grocery store is full of garbage. It's terrible yeah. for you, right? Yeah. Or, you know, most people just like, and especially in America, it's like consumer debt slavery, you know? Get a mortgage, mm. buying a car, do these things like, you need a car, of course, right? So I'm not going to say yeah. cars as a whole are a scam. But the way they are in America, the, the consumerism is a yeah. total scam. And most products don't actually help people, in my opinion. Yeah. They would, they would yeah. do far better with minimalism and using as little of it as possible, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I just really want to, you know, long term, keep developing as a marketer. But more importantly, focus on marketing things that really are helpful to people. Because those things do exist, you know? Yep. Like Shopify, for example, is an unbelievable product and enables anyone to sell anything to anyone really easily. Right. Yeah. So I look up not to sponsored. Stuff. Yeah, not sponsored, but it's just a great product, you know, or or convert kit. Right. It's just like the cleanest, yeah. easiest email software out there. And it actually yeah. helps a lot of people. But or even like grass fed beef. That's yeah. really helpful to everyone. You know, so I like yeah. stuff like that. That's awesome. Okay, so tell me, so as we wrap up, talk to the person, talk to the kid that's, that's where you were at. They're staying up late, pothead, and they're, and they're saying, man, I'm so sick and tired of this. This is not my future. I don't want to do this. And they're looking at people making e-com money. They're seeing that ad. They're seeing that, <laughs> they're seeing that Lamborghini, and you're saying, man, I could probably do at least half of that. And there's no way he's that smart. Mm-hmm. Talk to that kid and tell him what he should do or what she should do. Um, well, I think the first thing I would tell them is like fundamentally it's your fault because this is what I needed to hear is like, you know, I, I made those decisions whether or not I was like, you know, your guidance counselor just, hey, you should do this, go to school, whatever. But either way, it's you always have a choice and it's always your responsibility, whether it's your fault or not. And so I think a lot mm-hmm. of times people need to take ownership of that first and Preach. foremost. Preach at it, Secondly, what I would tell them to do is take like take the moonshot, but do it in a way where you're not you're not throwing your neck out. Like when I did that and dropped out of school, like, yes, it was like the big risk. But I also rented a room from a random guy on Craigslist for like four hundred dollars, which he ended up getting us evicted because I was paying him rent. He wasn't paying rent. So that's a whole nother topic. But, but like <laughs> nice. basically, basically minimize the risk, you know, yeah. like and most people won't do that because they have too big of an ego. You know, my partner, mm-hmm. Nick, he had a similar thing. He dropped out after two months, but he went back and lived at home and just was grinding and stacked up a ton of bread. And what it allows you to do is even if you have to go like if I were to start over, right, and I lost everything today, what I would do is go somewhere that's a good environment, right? Because you get to choose that too, and your environment has a huge impact. And there's no reason you can't be, you know, you could go bartend and do something that's not terrible. You know, it's like maybe, maybe not your ideal passion, but you can provide for yourself and live a fun social life. Like pick a job like that where you can you can go bartend, you can become a lifeguard or, you know, you can do these something that's not like spiritually killing you sitting mm-hmm. in an office that you hate 
mm-hmm. and do that and live really low expenses and like go to the gym every day and do your work and then start building something in the, in the evenings, in the mornings, before you have to go do that thing. You can live really good if you just eliminate your ego and just actually start, like most people think they wanna build something, but they don't actually wanna build something. They just want the status and recognition that comes from building something. Preach. And so if you really wanna do that, like, yeah, go get a cheap apartment and it might not be the best thing in the world, but like just absolutely go minimalistic and get rid of any of the downside or the overhead or the baggage and like have fun every day. Cause if you do that and you can build something like that, and think about it in a three-year timeline, it'll happen. But most mm-hmm. people, again, want to get it in a month because they just want the status. Yeah. You underestimate how long it's going to take. Everyone Dude, does for me, anything. For it anything. took me, I mean, I, I had, like, I wasn't, like, starving, but I dropped out end of, end of 2018, and I really didn't make, I mean, I didn't make real money from my job until probably like March, 2020, right? I was just basically yep. paying for groceries and paying for my rent. And then yeah. you're dumping the spare money into courses, whatever this, that, you know, if I want to do, I wasn't even doing anything fun for like the first year and a half at all, which I also yeah. don't recommend live your life. Cause yeah. that'll speed you up faster. People meeting people helps, but you know, I didn't make money for my job until March, 2020 probably. So that's a solid, you know, year and a half. And I didn't make my own money until probably September of that year. So that's like two years. And then I didn't make like real money until probably another six months after that. Right. So it's like, and even then, like what's, what's real money, you know, it's like, yeah, but the whole Look, time I could, especially with the guy that has a villa, right? Like you start to realize once you start making money, it's like, nope, yeah, there's no. real money out there. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I am just like slightly a little bit more above water, but I'm still poor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, man, I just think it's like, if you can get to a point where it's cause it's going to suck building, you're not going to know what's going on. You're going to have to learn so much, but if you can get to a point where you can just chip away at it and there's not this mm. big stress, you can kind of get rid of the ego. You get rid of what, you know, your college girlfriend thinks of you or whoever else. Right. Yeah. Um, that's how it happens is just having fun in the process of learning and getting better and giving yourself a runway where you can focus on that. I love that. I thank you so much for saying that. And I think it's so true at the same time, like you're touching on it, but invest in yourself constantly. It sounds like that's what you did over that period of time is like, you're taking courses, you're doing stuff. Like I think people hesitate to actually invest in themselves as the first step. Usually that's like the next step when you hit a breaking point or you fail or something like that. They're like, okay, someone help me get out of this hole. No, the first step is to actually, if you have anything, work your job, do whatever, buy buy a course, get a course, ask someone to help you, ask someone for mentorship, get consulting calls. The amount of times I DM'd people and said, hey, can I pay for your time? Can I pay to ask you some questions I have about what you do? I've done it dozens of times. And guess what? I actually have made money from it. (laughs) One of those calls ended up making me like 25K this year. So it's like, in my mind, in, in, in this world, I think that's like, if you're investing in yourself and you're willing to have that time horizon be increased, whether it's three years, whether it's five years, the person that has the time horizon of 10 years and says, for the next 10 years, I'm going to dedicate myself to learning skills. They're going to make me money and help me to get the financial freedom I'm looking for and have the lifestyle that I'm looking for and help the people that I want to help. 
if you have that mindset, you're unstoppable. So Logan, thanks so much for joining me, man. I think this is going to be super valuable for those people. Um, and I, I just, I just want to, I just want to encourage you on, I, I, I hear your heart and I've, I've seen your heart through content. Like you're, you're, you're loud on social media and I like it. You're contrarian. You're, you're, you try to be a little offensive and I'm all about it, but like I, in this kind of context and I, what I've seen from your coaching calls, um, this is your heart and you're, you're, you're a ve- very genuine person. Um, you're kind, you're tender, you, you're not egotistical at all and you're extremely wise. So I just want to say, I appreciate you. Thanks for giving me your time. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be benefited from this and, uh, and everybody, please just go follow Logan. He's, he's blown up on Twitter, uh, starting to put post more stuff on, on Instagram. And there's, I see, I'm seeing stuff. He's got the associates pod, which they're going to be putting out episodes. And then obviously the launch socials, YouTube channel, uh, today, which is the day we're recording. It's, it's July 27th, but this is going to be coming out um, a few weeks later, but there's, there's like an hour and a half long video of how to, how to like, it's an incredibly valuable video. So just go look up that video from, from July 27th when you, when you're listening to this, because, um, he just pours into you and gives you a step-by-step framework for you to follow. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Is there anything else you can promote? Anything else that you want people to point people towards? No, I don't think so. It's at logfit6, so L-O-G-F-I-T-Z-6, and then at launch socials, every platform. That's where I'm putting out stuff right now. And yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it. Other than just go go and like we just live once, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, take the risk, man, because it's like it's so funny. Talk about like investing in yourself or just doing these things in general, like what's the alternative? What's the alternative? You don't do it and then just like, to me there is no choice but to kind of pursue that thing you have in your head, so. Love it, love it. Yeah, invest in yourself, peeps. All right, appreciate you. See you guys in the next one.